Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's two kinds of people that don't doubt, right? They're like, you don't doubt if you don't think deeply about things, and you don't doubt if you ain't never been through nothing, right? Yeah. People think that their lack of doubt is a is the presence of like faith but at the end of the day i think their lack of doubt is just the presence of privilege like they just haven't gone through anything when it seems like you have all the right when it seems you have all the right questions never enough answers your faith is small enough to fit in the cracks of your palms. Consider, Consider the, birds. the birds that eat from my hand and do, do not, not fall from the sky without my, my consent. consent. So how much more will I love the ones that I died for? Before, Before you, you doubt, doubt me, me doubt, doubt your doubts. It's easier said than done. Easier said than done. Imagine that the future is much like an actual land, a new place that is waiting to be discovered. It used to be that explorers of the past would hop on a boat or a horse and carriage and find a new land. To be an explorer was to find new places. But as our century continues on into the horizon of knowledge, the unknown becoming smaller and bigger at the same time. The explorers of our time are not those on a boat voyage or a journey on horse and carriage into the dusty west. This new frontier is not geographical. It's digital, informational, philosophical, political, sexual. Scientists of all different disciplines have sent their very own explorers into the future to scout out this new territory. And regularly, they return home to the present to report their sightings, what they found about the future. And we, the natives of time present, curious of the hope of tomorrow's land, eagerly asked them, what did you find? Is it better than where we are now? When will we have flying cars? What will the sexual ethics be like? Is LeBron James still the greatest player of all time? When do we cure cancer and AIDS? 
do we become immortal. And with every ship from the future that docks at our ports, the prophets of science come to tell us of all the great things they discovered, how it is better than we ever imagined. And people like myself, people who carry around with them the God of their ancestors, we ask, in your new world, is there a place for me and my people, my faith, my God? This strange new continent of ideas is vast and open, yet it's still narrow, it's still limited. It's raw and uncultivated, but it measured, restricted. In this new world, there seems to be only an obscure island off the coast left for the religious. We are told the future only has enough room for a few of us, and they'll only tolerate the tolerant. We're constantly given the impression that religion is superstition of ancient days. Whatever explanations of life the saints once offered to humanity are now outdated. Our Bibles might as well be on floppy disks. Yahweh is obsolete technology. And so, because of sermons preached at these ports, believers like me doubt. We doubt our usefulness for the future. We doubt we will be allowed into the new horizon with all our religious baggage. And ironically, the God of revelation is not allowed to travel to the last days. His faithful must stay here, quarantined to the present. What's going on, family? My name is Joseph Solomon. I'm a singer, songwriter, poet, spoken word artist, YouTuber, lifelong student, ever doubtful Christian, frequent flyer. Welcome to the first flight of the Flights and Feelings podcast season one, where we thoughtfully and vulnerably travel through faith, relationships, sexuality, science, health, and culture via storytelling, poetry, and conversation. So even though this podcast has flights in the title, you should know that this is technically not a travel show. However, in each episode, I will share travel stories or just stories in general. And I'll also give travel tips. And the travel tips are not always crazy extraordinary. They're just little things I've learned along the way to make my adventures more convenient, affordable, and enjoyable. So today's flight tip is commit to an airline. Yes, commit to an airline. And this is actually a good time to be talking about this because most airlines operate on a calendar year from January to December for their elite statuses. And it starts over every January. So the best time to choose an airline is typically in the beginning of the year. If you're going to be somewhat of a frequent flyer this year, you should strongly consider finding an airline to commit to. So many people just buy whatever's cheapest, which is cool. 
if you're flying only once or twice a year and price is your highest priority in what you choose, that's fine. But if you're going to be flying several times a year, we're talking 20 plus one-way flights in a year or 10 round trips in a year, you should strongly consider putting a ring on an airline because the dollars you spend can add to your status and that status can come with amazing travel perks like free check bags, priority boarding, free free first class upgrades, all that good stuff. I get it all the time. So if you see me there, don't think I'm stunting. I got it for free. I, I ain't paying for it. So which airline should you get booed up with? Well, that depends on things like how frequent you fly, which airlines have a hub near you, and what you're hoping to get from said airline. I'd also say if you're already booked an overseas flight for this year, that might be the airline you want to consider sticking with because that overseas flight is a lot of miles and probably a lot of dollars. And you want to take advantage of that big purchase. So that might be your first lead. People who fly semi-frequently swear by Spirit or Southwest. I'm not going to even discuss Spirit because it's not of the Spirit. It's just don't. Don't don't fly spirit. But Southwest Southwest is cool for most people and probably because it's tailored for the infrequent and semi-frequent flyers, which is pretty much like 85 percent of people who fly. And this is because their perks are mostly offered up front. Everyone gets two free check bags. Everyone gets no cancellation fees ever. But even if you fly like 50 times this year. The perks don't go too far beyond the person who flew five times that year. No first class to be upgraded to. No extra bags to check in for free. You just get to board into open seating earlier than most people. And even that's not promised if you show up late. I show up late all the time. But Delta, who I fly with, and other airlines like American and United, don't offer a lot of perks up front. But they offer much more the more you fly. They want you to commit. So, yeah, Southwest has two free bags, but I fly enough with Delta that I get three 70-pound bags. Southwest only does 50. I do 70-pound bags for free. And first-class upgrades, free comfort seating, early boarding, Sky Lounge entry, and blah, 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 all that good stuff. So, you got to see Southwest like this. Southwest is like the guy or the girl that you're interested in who is pretty much going to offer everything they're going to offer you in the first three weeks of knowing them. And, hey, if you just here for a good time, not a long time, then getting all the perks up front might be your game. They gave you everything they can offer in the first month, but hey, you only plan to be here for three months, so it works. But if you're here for a good time and a long time, then you want someone who's going to have more to offer as time goes on. The more commitment you give, the more benefits you receive. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Delta. Long story short, get you a Delta. Not like a Delta Sigma Theta, although that could be, but just metaphorically speaking. Ladies and gentlemen, that is today's flight tip. Today, we're going to talk about doubt and future-proof faith. I'm somewhat of a techie. I'm, I'm a technology fanatic, and I'm always interested in what's the newest development in something, especially if it's something I plan on buying, like an iPhone or headphones, car, cameras, computers, whatever. And the biggest concern when buying new technology is how future-proof is this device? If I get it now, 
will something five times better come out tomorrow? So a lot of us are very doubtful before making a purchase or even very doubtful after we've made the purchase, that buyer's remorse. You see someone else with a better version and now you're mad because that 14-day return policy just went out the window yesterday. And I think I think we may feel the same way about faith sometimes, or at least I do. Are my beliefs future-proof? I gave my life to Jesus. I told all my friends about it, broke up with my girlfriend. She gone. She, she a sinner. And all I do now is post scriptures on Facebook. But then, then I started hearing about some new stuff, some new developments, some new releases. And now I have doubt. Will my belief system still be true and relevant 10 years from now or 20 years from now or even tomorrow? But this is not going to be an apologetics episode where we deal with arguments or proofs for and against Christianity. That stuff can be helpful. It's been helpful to me in the past, but sometimes it's been a bit distracting. It's caused more doubt and more questions. It can be a rabbit hole depending on which turn you take. So this is not going to be specifically addressing why or why not someone should believe the Bible or something like that. This episode is really getting to the feeling and the experience of doubt, something I've experienced often, but I've also experienced a lot of faith and belief often as well. So today I'm bringing on a co-host with me, local pastor in Atlanta, a public speaker, husband, father, PhD student, and just a good friend of mine to sort of balance this thing out. His name is John Amuchekwa. Y'all can follow him on Instagram at John underscore O, J-A-W-N underscore O. And the conversation that we had was enlightening to me. It was somewhat therapeutic. And hopefully it's, it's helpful to you as you listen as well. Yeah, like, so, you know, there's like certain like words that people want to place it's like a vice or a virtue, right? Like, man, as you talk about emotions, you get folks that run around and say, man, I never get angry. And, yeah, yo, I don't get sad. And it's like, man, anger isn't a, 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 a bad thing, right? It's, it's, it's not this vice. It's a vehicle that leads you towards, no, this is what I love. And what I love is being attacked. So it's a very, like, good thing. And, and doubt's the same way, like, uh, so for somebody to say, man, I don't doubt my faith is strong. You know, there's two kinds of people that don't doubt, right? They, like you don't doubt if you don't think deeply ab- about things and you don't doubt if you ain't never been through nothing, right? Yeah. That there's something about like tragedy. There's something about like just the disconnect that comes when it's like, man, I hear about God's goodness um, while I'm burying my 32-year-old brother and his wife and three kids or their crime. Like, and it's like, a, wait a minute, all the stuff that I, all the stuff that I thought that I knew of, uh, about God, like, I doubt because I've been through things. And sometimes, like, people think that their lack of doubt is a is the presence of like faith 
But at the end of the day, I think their lack of doubt is just the presence of privilege. Like they just haven't gone through anything. They 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 hear about God's goodness and they see God's goodness and their faith hasn't really been tested, man. And I just think, yeah, we just have to start with uh, doubt is not this bad thing. It's not this bad word. It's a human thing. It's part of life. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest things that has sort of steered my doubt in some way or motivated my doubt is that same, I, I've just realized that I feel that same sense, the way I feel with technology, mm. as if as if Jesus is some kind of technology or whatever. <laughs> but I see it as a technology that I want to make sure I'm always up to date, that I'm always up to speed with, with, with whatever's uh New and not even necessarily new, just still capable. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I'm cool with uh there's things like camera lenses that were made in the nineties and there hasn't been much updating to them. They're just like right. they're just great lenses. Yeah. And you don't never you can upgrade your camera all you want, but that lens is gonna hold its value and it's yeah. just so there are um things that you can get that are not necessarily new, but they're always relevant. Right. And so that's the kind of been the concern for me is like I want to get uh-huh. the best lens possible right you know what i'm saying yeah. to attach myself to and then it'll carry me over into whatever future but the fear is kind of been for me sometimes as i read through because again i'm super into like yeah just reading about biotech and human genome editing <laughs> and uh, artificial intelligence yeah. and all that stuff self-driving cars and I'm always into that kind of thing. Like what's, what's going to be on the, on the new horizon for us. And then in that, every time you hear people talk about any of these things, whether it's said explicitly or implicitly, God is not allowed specifically Mm. the, Mm. the Jesus God. Yeah. yeah. That, that God in particular, (laughs) right. He's not allowed. Um, We'll allow spirituality. Yeah. We'll, we'll allow, yeah, mindfulness, you know, and right. stuff, meditation and all this. Yeah, this sort of spiritual awareness per se. But to have Jesus in there, we're we're just not with it. Yeah, why do you think that that is? So ironically, that's a great question. Yeah. Ironically, that has been an apologetic for my own heart because it doesn't fit in the, the overall narrative of what post-modernity is, which is everything's allowed as long as you don't hurt anybody. And so there's one part of it, uh, uh, Christians who, you know, we can, we can talk about buzzword topics like uh, gay marriage and abortion and stuff like that. And that'll sort of put you on one side or the other in whether or not you're allowed to be that this, you know, a Christian in this space. But even if you, you fall in, you know, a quote unquote liberal space politically, There's still at some point they'll, they'll let you in for a while, but at some point there's going to be this this another sort of barrier that's coming up that basically says, okay, yeah, we I know we said we're we're tolerable of right. you, and we, we appreciate you supporting us yeah. this way politically. We we appreciate you supporting us this way socially, but that whole there's one way to God. This this physical man that that died yeah. and he rose and he and he was he was God in the flesh. 
that stuff was mythical and we're going to have to leave it behind at some point. And I've always found that very, I've always found it very odd that the, the sort of culture that we live in now, we're always looking to attack whoever is in the privileged position. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. Sometimes the, the privilege need to be challenged. Absolutely. Like sometimes I feel it, but it's almost like this one size fits all type thing. Mm-hmm. And so Christianity falls in that is that right. we, in a lot of ways have been the privileged faith. You yeah. know, you got privileged, uh, race, you got privileged genders, you got whatever, but then you, you got uh, privileged socioeconomic status, then you have privileged faith, and that mm-hmm. has to be subjected to the All Marxist right. sort of uh, critique as well, and that's so like the bourgeoisie is the is the Christian, right. is the Christian who has had so many privileges in this, particularly in America and other places. Yeah, you know, to that point as well, I, I think, man, one thing that Christianity does is it's like um, there are other faiths, you know, a religiosity and a spirituality. I don't think people mind those things as much because you get a lot more autonomy in how you want to live your life. And spirituality becomes this addendum or add-on like ah let me come alongside and make things better and they will agree with the generic like yeah do what you want to do just so long as you don't hurt anybody mm-hmm. christianity is a little more authoritative where it's like jesus steps in and says yeah do what you want to do so long as you don't hurt anybody bah, but let me be the one to define what's harmful mm-hmm. and so he's like um so folks will say things like porn. No, no, no. Yeah, porn's cool because it doesn't hurt anybody. Christ says, well, let me define harm here. Uh, harm is you are denigrating the dignity of people being created in God's image by the way that you look at them. And I'm going to say that that's harm. I'm going to say that that's out of bounds. And now what you have is like, Christianity is going to challenge everything and everybody at every step of the way. And I think that's why it's excluded sometimes because it's like, not like we don't agree with the definitions that you set. We want to be free to, to set our own and to move how. Yeah. And that's interesting though. We especially talk about, and that's again, another been another thing for me when I've been dealing with doubt and wrestling, whether or not like is is Christianity future proof for me. Uh, Is this this idea of morality? And it's interesting that so many people these days want to consider Christianity a myth, but we all have to believe in a quote unquote myth to make this thing called human dignity right. work. Yeah. And so when you start talking about like, you know, well, the Christian God wants to tell you what's wrong and what's harmful or whatever. You're like, well, no, no, I don't want any other God to tell me what's Harmful. I don't want anybody to tell me what's harmful or wrong or right or whatever. I can decide it for myself. I'm a I'm a I'm a modern thinking human. Right. I can do that for myself. Okay, great. So who's going to decide that as a community of people, whether whether locally or nationally or globally, yeah. who decides yeah. what that looks like? And I know there's a lot of disagreement even within Christianity of what that looks like, but just in general, who decides what that looks like? And if there's particularly no God yeah. at all, yeah then we have to hold some myth. If there's no God, 
Yeah. We have to hold on to this myth that humans, outside of every other evolved organism, is somehow special. Right. Somehow, whatever the word dignity means in that context, yeah, yeah, yeah. dignified, they yeah. have value. Yeah. And then that has to be the launching pad for us to decide things on, like, you know, what is racial injustice? Right. What is gender equality? Right. If there is no such thing as human sacredness. Right. If there's no yeah. such thing as human sacredness. Like, if there's nothing special about a human other than the fact that we just went down another part of the of the evolution tree. Right. We went a little further. Our brains got bigger. Yeah. And that's our only defining feature. Yeah. Then the reality is we're not special. We're not sacred. Right. We're 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 not all that amazing. We actually do a lot of things bad. And there's a lot of animals out there that do things a little better than us. Right, <laughs> if, right, right, if we're honest, a little more uh decent right. to each other than we are. Yeah. And so if that's the case, we have to hold to a myth. Yeah. A, some myth. We have yeah. to make up a myth. Um, and if you believe Christianity is a myth, it's just not your myth of choice. Yeah. You still have to have you have to choose a myth in order for you to make sense. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I think we spend so much time and argue about, you know, right or wrong, this way or that way, and we don't spend enough time saying, "All right, no, no, uh, what's the narrative that goes on in the background?" That, yes. Like, how do you determine <laughs> your purpose? Like, yeah, what is the narrative that explains how it is that you view the uh, world? And I think. Um, just to that point, like that's the thing that makes Christianity or, or or that's the thing that makes our faith future proof, right? Is that throughout every age, Christianity, it's not just ideals. It is this like narrative that's this timeless story. Mm. So I think we can tend to think of Christianity like you know, like an iPhone that's gonna, uh, man, I want to make sure that what I believe in isn't obsolete, but I think it's more helpful to think of it like a, you know, a novel and a story. Um, yes. That it's like, a, oh, no, no, no. Um, you know, Cinderella, like, they're gonna remake that story until the cows come home. Yes. Every era of time has their royalty that is lost that is fallen that spends their time at the bottom of the barrel and uh there's something inside of them that speaks to the fact that like there's something more or they were made for more and as time goes on this uh person that was thought of as lowly like rises to this position of power but they don't enforce justice on the people that oppress them instead they give them this kindness and it's it's really you know the storyline of what god has done in christ that is the thing that's constant through the ages so um yeah i i i think it's like a good narrative a good story is never obsolete and we have to yeah find like how how God's story in Christ like intersects with the story or the uh, narratives of the world we live in yeah.
I think what has helped me move through doubt in a way that's, I don't want to say comfortable, yeah. but it's been much more bearable. Like when I remember the first time I started doubting, um, I had a lot of doubts um, in college about whether or not, really was focused more so like whether or not the Bible was really real, yeah. did Jesus even actually exist, yeah. those, those kind of things. And when I first started having those questions, I just I just freaked out. Yeah. <laughs> I was just oh, oh. and then just like freaking out. And every time it came back for a while, it just I would just it was a panic. It was always I panic it. Yeah, yeah. What did you do with it? Like Well, it was just like, well, that's the end of it. Like <laughs> it was like if you doubt any one little thing, like, all right, if I'm doubting, man, I'm reading through Matthew or whatever, and I'm like, that doesn't sound believable. Yeah. It's like, oh, that means I uh, it's the throw the whole piece. thing away. <laughs> throw it all away. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> just throw the whole thing away. Yeah. And I, I just, I think that the the first few, well, for the first few years, I only said the first time. I just would say the first few years that it was was happening, I would just panic, and then eventually, as I started to see it be just kind of part of the natural ebb and flow of of faith of, of growing. And I started seeing more examples in the scriptures of, of other believers who I, I thought were pretty amazing doubt. Yeah. You know, Jesus talks about John the Baptist and how he's, you know, greatest man to ever live. And you hear so much about him. He's coming in the wood. He's eating locusts for Jesus. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like this man is a, he's a, he's a, he's a G for Jesus. I don't know. You want to aspire to be like Jesus, but if you miss Jesus, (laughs) Just try to be like John. Like right. that's if you can just get like John, right. I think you're all right. Um, and then, you know, he gets put in jail. Yeah. And then he's like, So Jesus, uh, was it you? <laughs> Cause uh I, I mean I thought it was you. I heard some about captives <laughs> being set free. And I and this is feeling I'm feeling real very captive. <laughs> I'm feeling very captive. It's a very uh, captive feeling. Yeah. So <laughs> So when I uh, when I saw that, I was just like, "Oh, John the Baptist doubted whether right. or not Jesus was the Messiah." Yeah, yeah. And so it, and the more and more I doubted, the more and more I ran to the Bible to try to, you know, figure things out. Um, in my panic, yeah. and then I saw other people panicking, and by seeing other people panic, who I thought were way better than me, made me feel like, "Oh, I ain't never been to jail for Jesus." So. Right. You know, I guess I don't, have to, I don't have to panic too much. Yeah. And I just, I don't know, it just became more normalized for me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I was, um, yeah, it's the start of the year, so, you know, I'm reading through the Bible again, and I'm still at the part where it's like, I haven't lost steam yet, right? Yeah, yeah I will around March when we get into Leviticus <laughs> and all that. But, yeah, I'm in Genesis, and it's crazy seeing somebody like Abraham and you know, the faith that he has in God and it like God looks at him and it's like Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as like, and he was counted as righteous. So here you have a man perfectly righteous in Genesis 15. And then in chapter 16, he's like, ah, oh God, I don't know if you're going to come through on your word. So... I'm going to have a kid with somebody else. (laughs) Whoa, 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 Abraham. So it's like crazy just to be reminded of the fact like, man, this is is the ebb and flow of 
us. Like we are this mixture of folks that, you know, have faith in God. We soar one day and we yeah, sink the next. And I think, man, one thing that you said that I don't want to just move past was you were like, yeah, man, when I started to like it doubt, um, yeah, in the first few years, right? Um, I think sometimes what folks can do is they can say, all right, man, I'm doubting. Uh, oh, this is great. Joe's got a podcast on doubt. I'm just going to listen and I'm going to be made whole. And it was, mm. what was that like to like for, you said for years? Yeah, well, I, again, I always thought that there was a magic bullet that was going to come. Yeah. This sort of like, yeah, like you said, like maybe this podcast would be like, oh yeah, man, this Joe Solomon <laughs> did a thing on doubting. And I always thought there was going to be, man, maybe I just didn't read the right apologetic book. Uh-huh. I didn't hear the right sermon. Yeah. Um, that would somehow literally make me believe like that would finally yeah. be like, oh, okay. Christianity is absolutely hundred percent, thousand percent true. And yeah. I, and I'll never have to doubt again. Right. May take a year or two, but once I figure that thing out, like yeah. I'll be soaring after that. Yeah, and that time never came. Like I kept waiting for those, and I thought it was. I was like, maybe if I f- I find the right person to talk to me yeah. in the way that I need to be talked mm. to, like that person is going to be the one to really help me. I just kept putting hope in a lot of, uh, yeah. I don't sound too preachy, but yeah, earthly things. You know, right. yeah, just yeah. hoping that that one thing would come. And it ne- and it never came, bro. Yeah, yeah. No, nothing ever came. I, I, and I think when I again, it was that sounds a little discouraging, but it was actually really encouraging, right? Because then I stopped waiting around mm. for, yeah. My my approach is now to uh, scripture and apologetics and just conversation about life in general has been much more patient and right. at ease, and it's not this like. Um, this overwhelming hope right. that I've been putting in yeah. some resource right. yeah. you know, that's yeah. not God. Yeah. When I finally got comfortable in my doubt, and I, mm-hmm. again, that's why I have a pastor here, so I can talk candidly, and then like he can sort of tell me whether or not, like, I don't, you know, I don't want people thinking like, man, Joe over here telling everybody, man, just get comfortable with it, man. Don't <laughs> don't, don't get, do nothing with just it. Just kick your feet up, hey man. man but listen, <laughs> Jesus guy, maybe not. I don't know, but you know, get comfortable with it. <laughs> like I don't want, <laughs> I don't want people to hear that. Yeah. Um, but I, but what I do want to say is that I got comfortable in it in the sense that when things came, when those thoughts came, it was as if I'm um, one of my pastors. So I hear his voice saying it. And I grew up with the pastor. I grew up, he would say, man, take no thought. Bob says, take no thought, take no thought. And so he's like, man, thoughts are always going to come. Right. You can have a thousand packages delivered to you, but you ain't got a sign for them. No, God. <laughs> That's and so, so it that, that really helped me to understand that when those thoughts came, it, it really took a lot of maturity to see them yeah. in my brain, in my mind, yeah. and then and then not own them. Yeah. Or let them own me. Right. Like didn't just come in and just start wreaking havoc. It's like 
man, but what about this scripture here? What about this text? Like, the, you know, this this atheist said this or this Muslim said that or whatever it may be. Or this person said this about whatever scripture. And I could just go, eh, it's actually a good question. Uh, I'll check it out. <laughs> That's a good point. Yep. I'm not, I, I just don't, I just don't panic anymore, yeah. bro. Yeah. You know, it's, um, you know, when, when we brought our daughter home, um, and, uh, I'll never forget like the first time that we started, uh, you know, give her baths and we had to help her like wash her face or her, her face. Uh, and so it's like the first time you like splash water into a baby's face, which I would love to see. <laughs> it's priceless. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love my daughter. Uh, but their arms <laughs> like flail and you can just tell like the look on their face is one of utter terror. Like they, and they think that they're drowning and, and it's like, yo, you're not drowning. It's cool. Yeah. Water has to hit your face. I know it's going to feel like this, but you're not drowning. And what you find out, I mean, is it's like, a, oh, no, no, no. It takes a lot of time. Like the next time you give them a bath and they're still in your arms, the water is really, really low. Splash water. If it, you're not drowning. And it's just this constant like, no, I know it's a shock, but trust me, you're not drowning. Like you're I've got you in my arms. I love you. I care for you. I'm your father. I'm not going to let you mm. drown. And I think, man, that's what helps us turn the corner, I think. And 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 what gives us permission to like feel this way just to say, "Oh no. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely know what it I know what it is to feel like you're drowning." And that's a common thing that that we all feel. Uh, but one of the things we have to remember or where faith is like, ah, but I'm in my father's arms. So mm -hmm. ah, it feels like I'm drowning. Um, I, I will say, man, when you say that, bro, like I've told people, no matter how many doubts I have about mm -hmm. the Christian faith, it has been as restrictive as some people may feel like it is the most, you know, authoritative yeah. or, 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 um, dogmatic or whatever, however you want to take it, the the essence of the gospel message has been one of the most restful yeah. um, spaces mm -hmm. for me to be in because it, it does allow for doubt. And you have to think of it this way. This God who is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-sure of himself in a way that is beyond us um, has chosen to come and love a people that he didn't have to love. Mm. And then he decided to color them with his righteousness. Yeah. And he says, just come to me. He doesn't say, get yourself together, figure things out, right. figure how this works out. And then you can be in my presence. Yeah. He says, well, I'm just going to come into your presence. Right. I'm going to make you worthy enough to be in my presence. Mm. And so all of the responsibility of having everything figured out before you can stay here, before you're allowed to right. be in this space has already been yeah. covered. Yeah. And so it that's another reason why I just, I grew, I can say comfortable in my doubt. Yeah. And, and again, I don't have to keep adding preface to that or whatever, but like I became comfortable because it was like, if this is true, 
if if what y'all say is true about about Jesus, that it really is that you're saved by by grace only, that yeah. He decided to come on His own volition to love you in whatever state you're in, yeah. and then He now declares whatever position you're in to be eternal. Like yeah. this is this is the declaration. Yeah. And there's nothing that I can do to yeah. wiggle out of that. Yeah. He's got me. Then it's like, oh yeah, like it's like your daughter. Like, yeah, yeah she may like freak out. And you tell her like, calm down, whatever it may be. Like, no matter what she does, that doesn't change the your disposition. Right. It doesn't make you now freak out and confused <laughs> right. and like, oh my gosh, like, it's, I'm calm. Yeah, you're calm. Um, and it doesn't it doesn't somehow. She doesn't somehow wiggle herself out or whatever it may be. Whatever she's yeah. feeling, it doesn't transfer to the one that's holding mm, her. Mm. And that's so <laughs> if that's the case, then it's like, okay, yeah, I'd like to be Ava who's not yeah. like freaking out. Yeah. But if I am, I could be that for a while. Right. And that's not gonna, <laughs> right. not gonna change yeah. your disposition. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Man, yeah. That's that's so good, yeah. Well, that wraps it up for the first episode of season one of the Flights and Feelings podcast. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. I know many people have been excited, anxious, and just asking a lot of questions about when the podcast is going to come. It's finally here. I wanted to take my time, do it right. Wanted it to feel authentic and real and thought through. So I hope that you stick with me on this journey. I'm looking forward to growing through the conversations and through the writing for this. And I hope that you are too. So again, thank you. You could be going anywhere in the world with anybody else, but you're right here. So thank you for choosing the Flights and Feelings podcast. Remember to always fly home. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.